Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome, everyone, to Hit the Books, the college basketball edition. I'm Thomas Casali with my man, CC. CC, how's it going today? Listen, we're, we're treading water. We're treading water. We're uh, beating the market, but that's about it nowadays. Hopefully today will be better. Yeah, we're going to go over our thoughts from this weekend here. But Hit the Books segment on the Hammer Betting Network is presented by Circa Sports. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Experience big gap bets with the highest betting limits, better money line splits with the lowest hold percentage and best customer service in the business. Sports betting on the go has never been better. Now you can download fun and bet like a pro from anywhere in Nevada. Get your new bookie today at CircaSports.com. The... Funny thing, uh, before we get into the college basketball, I saw Jeffrey Benson on Twitter say that the opening his opening line for the Super Bowl was dog crap. <laughs> he had uh, the Chiefs two and a half. The market disagreed. I was surprised to see so much early money go on the Eagles, but uh, it's going to be a good game. Um, but I, I don't doubt you see, that was an interesting t- tidbit from Jeffrey, though, CC, because I don't doubt their ability to set lines. And if they thought the Chiefs were two and a half, that's telling me a little something. Yeah, I, uh, I don't bet the NFL often. I think that the market's pretty sharp overall. Yeah. And, and yeah. for that exact reason is why. I, I bet a little bit on the Chiefs at 2.5. It went to plus 2.5. I believe you can get it right now. Um, just to see such a discrepancy from what circuit opened to what it went in, like, what, an hour and a half. I saw the Eagles were 2.5-point dogs for 19 seconds at Circa. So uh, I'll take my shot that Circa was a little more right than they're getting credit for here. Yeah, I'm with you. I bet more player props in the NFL. I think the sides and the totals are are really tough to beat. But that's why I bet college basketball. I think we can get some edges there. I didn't have too many edges on Saturday, CC. The uh, I, I I do know that I was you know Kentucky's a fraud because that was my only winner on Saturday. I had Kansas <laughs> over Kentucky. Um, we had a lot of interesting results from this SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Alabama getting blown out. Tennessee looks good against Texas. What were your thoughts watching some of these games? Yeah, I think we've talked about it a couple times on the show that Alabama just isn't the team that uh, they seem to be. And I, I think that it showed on Saturday. That said, Oklahoma couldn't play a game like that again to save their life. Yeah. I mean, geez, they shot like 70% for three. But I will say there was there's a lot to be said about how they guarded Alabama. They, they were picking up and not letting those transition threes early and, and forcing them to beat them in the half court, which I think is an interesting uh, strategy towards facing this Alabama team who's shown time and time again you don't want to play transition basketball with them. So it'll be interesting to see if other teams take this approach. Uh, I know they get Tennessee in the middle of February, so that should be a really good basketball game. Yeah, and you look at the futures market here at Circa Sports CC. Alabama's ten to one, man. I, listen, they're a nice team. I don't want anything to do with them being the second favorite behind Houston. No. And then Tennessee is also ten to one. I gotta ask you, you know, people on Twitter keep telling me Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. I haven't bought in. I was on Texas on Saturday. They got slammed. What do you think of this Tennessee team long term? Yeah, I just don't believe they have the scores to to output long enough for March. I think that if you have one slept on game, they just don't have the guy to 
to make it a slept-on game okay. Their defense is great, don't get me wrong, and I, I probably underestimate their defense, but uh, I'm just not buying their offensive output and ability. It's similar to the Alabama reason. Like I know that Brandon Miller is a really good basketball player, but their second, third, fourth guy I just don't believe are good individual basketball players relative to just the strength of, of where they're being priced, and I feel the same exact way with Tennessee. Like Their players individually on teams are very good, but they're not good enough to, to beat a Baylor type of, of five-man out, I don't believe. Well, let's look into this Monday uh, lineup here. And the marquee game is those Kansas Jayhawks taking on an interesting team. I want to get your thoughts on them. Kansas State. Now, Kansas State's still sitting around 40 to 1 to win it all. You know, I've seen some people on Twitter ask, what's going on with this Kansas State team? There's value here with them and all this. And, and, you know, we talked before we got on the show, like they're a seven and a half point underdog to Kansas. The market still isn't buying into this team. They remind me a little bit of Providence last year. Uh, What are your thoughts on Kansas State? I mean, I think they're a nice team. Do I think they're going to win it all? Uh, No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because we've seen it all year. Like this isn't – this isn't a hot flash at this point. They've, they've continued to do it. I, earlier in the season, I, I called it a, a train you don't want to get in front of. But at this point, like we've seen Kansas State do this for a minute now. They're 18-3. and three. Uh, And so like I, I think that they've shown both ways of basketball. My worry was that they were just a really hot shooting team and they were hitting everything. But now they just held Florida to 50. So is their defense quality enough to, to get it done in March? I don't know. I, I think... For the resume they've built, they're still getting underpriced for sure. They're what, seven and a half point dogs at Kansas? Uh, I do think Kansas is probably one of the better teams in the nation, but uh, in conference, this feels like it should be five and a half in most cases. It's six and a half in some spots, so that makes a little bit of sense. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I think Kansas is the better team, but Kansas State at some point has to get respect. They're 18 and three. They continue to do it on a nightly basis. They played Iowa State to the game that they wanted to play. The game ended 156 points for an Iowa State game. So even when they lose, they're able to force their their tempo and their worth. So I think it's a really good basketball team. Do they win March? Probably in most cases not, but it's a good basketball team. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I still I do think seven and a half is a little bit. I still they're just not getting enough respect. It reminds me a little bit of the TCU Kansas game a couple weeks ago where TCU was getting seven seven and a half points. Uh, they ended up winning that game outright. And before we get into the other Monday games, you know, I'm looking at these futures. I got to ask you about one of these teams, CC. You know, I'm looking. UConn is still fifteen to one to win it all. They're number six on Ken Palm. Um, you're talking about a team that's two and six in their last eight games. Now, I, I will say the remainder of their schedule looks pretty manageable, you know, outside of away games against Creighton and a home game against Providence. They will be substantial favorites in the rest of their games. What do you make of this team? Because the market seems to love them, and on paper they look good, but they haven't been playing that way. Yeah, I never really bought into this UConn team. Uh, I think they shot up in the rankings way too fast. Uh, they they beat up on some easy teams early in the year. They become the consensus number one by Ken Palm way too quick. Uh, and now they're just kind of treading water. They're, what, to six on Ken Palm? But I don't think they're a natural six. I think that's just due to the fact that they hit one at one point. I think this is probably the 12th or 13th best team in the country. Uh, there's definitely teams I would take at a worse price than UConn. Like at Baylor's 25-1, to 1, I believe or 20 to one. And I would take Baylor over UConn futures for sure. I just think that Baylor has the significantly better basketball team overall. 
Uh, yeah, 25 to 1 at DraftKings. I think that that's probably a pretty – like we talked recently, when is a good time to buy Baylor – low because they were playing like trash their defense looked miserable their offense is doing what they do always but uh, you can't win championships with the 79th best defense in the nation and and i think that we're pretty close we probably have already seen it they've won what six games in a row at this point uh but underdogs at texas tonight that's a good uh monday transition that'll be a good game uh three and a half point dogs at texas i think that's probably too much i think baylor's honestly if you gave me five teams to choose to who's going to win the national championship. I Baylor is one of my five for sure. Yeah. And I took Baylor before the season at uh, plus 1600. Now, if you were interested in taking a Baylor's future, like tonight's game could alter one way or the other. If they win, you could see that number shorten. If they lose, you might, you might get a little bit more value. Well, what would you tell people if they were going to, if they wanted to bet it right now, would you wait or would you go in before this game? Uh, I'm going to wait. I wouldn't be surprised if on the Friday show we take some Baylor future. Uh, if they Because the market expects them to lose their three-and-a-half-point dogs. I don't think that they do. I think it's a pretty good spot for Baylor. Uh, but if you think that if the market is right more often than it's wrong, then just wait a couple of days, you might get a better number. I, I don't think that the impact is as big as it should seem because no matter what, this game's going to be really close. So uh, down to the wire, I don't think it would affect the market too much, but could be completely wrong there. Who knows? All right, well, let's get dive into a couple of our plays. Let's uh, so our my Syracuse Orange let us down on Saturday, CC. I mean, they got blasted at Virginia Tech. I mean, part of that has to do with Syracuse stinks, but tonight they're at home, five point dog to Virginia. And I just I don't have a play on the side here, but just something to keep in mind. the The last few games these teams played have gone over. Virginia has done a tremendous job against that zone. They've scored in the 70s, I think, three straight games against the Syracuse team. So I noticed last night the totals opened 131.5. It's up to 133.5. I took the Syracuse team total over at 63.5. They've done a good job against this Virginia defense at home. Um, I'm laying off the game, though. Do you have any uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, my numbers like this over a good bit. Uh, It was 131 at one point. Uh, yeah. And I, I would actually lean towards the other side. I would like the Virginia team total over. I think that uh, I we've discussed this before, but I just really hate the idea of backing a Syracuse team that Gerard is your primary form of yeah. offense. It's just kind of scary. Let's see a 120. See, I like that 68 and a half, 120 a good bit. Uh, we'll consider it. We might think about it. But uh, I was seeing a 70 this morning, so I didn't touch it. But 68 is not a bad number. The main thing for me here is the Syracuse defense is, is basically what scares everybody. But... Virginia has Kihei Clark, who has at this point probably played Syracuse more than any human in history. The kid has been there forever. And uh, I think that he sees his zone better than most people. That's why, as you said, they've scored 70-plus in most matchups versus Syracuse. Also, this is a really slow Virginia team. They're always really slow. It's by no means anything new. But I will say this is one of the more talented Virginia teams from a player's uh, perspective. They, they have five really good scores on the, on the court at all times, I think. And so uh, a zone's going to be prevalent when you can't hit shots and, and you really need one guy to have the ball. They can just kind of trap and defend. Uh, but they can spread this ball out basically as much as they want. I feel pretty confident in every person on the court shooting the basketball. So I like Virginia to win here. Uh, I think I made this line eight. And so eight and an over would, would imply a team total over for me. Yeah, and listen, like I said, Virginia attacks the zone. If you want to see how to play the zone, watch Virginia or North Carolina under Roy Williams. If you want to see not how to play the zone, 
watch the San Diego State tournament game from a couple years ago when they played Syracuse and just pass it around the three-point line. That's what Syracuse wants you to do in that zone. That's what they're hoping you do is just chuck up threes. Virginia gets it. They've got. I think I would say this, that Virginia has gotten more open threes against Syracuse than any team I've ever seen over the years. They just know how to attack kick to the open. I mean, they're a smart team, like you said. They're deliberate on offense. They wait for the open shot. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, you know, again, I went with this. Syracuse has scored, has done well against Virginia's defense, too. They like to press Virginia and turn them over a little bit. So, I'm with you. I think this game sets up for an over. Um, now, you're going, of course, CC. you like those uh, totals off the beaten path here. Um, and you like the Alabama State game against Florida A&M. I'm seeing on Circa 127. You like the over here. Yeah, uh, Zach, you pull those up. I bet the 125 this morning, and let's see what we can get on this show. Um, if, there's a, if there's a flat 127, I like the over in the Alabama State game. That's Alabama State, Florida A&M. The main thing here is just I think that we've seen two teams that, uh, let's see, we can get a – Ooh, flat 127 circa. Yeah, we'll and eh, it's in a couple places, but 127 and a half for the most part. Yeah, if we can get a 127, I like that. Uh, I took a 125 this morning and I still like it up to 127. This is an Alabama State team who has slowed down tremendously in tempo. The main thing here is their their offense has just been miserable. They're 363rd in effective field goal percentage, and I think that they have a little bit more scoring capabilities. Like if you look at each individual player, they're better than that. This is a coach. Coach Sun led team. TJ Matlock is the uh, son, and Tony is is the coach. And TJ to start the year was basically shooting every shot. Like it was it was known I'm going to score. Uh, but the issue here is he's not very good. Also, Matlock wants to run a fast offense. They they were 40th in the nation in uh, tempo at South Carolina State. Moved over to Alabama State. Uh, I I just think these tempos are wrong. I think that we see a team who who wants to run traditionally more than we have seen. Uh, and so 125, 127 just feels really weak. Also, these are two miserable defenses. Uh, Florida A&M, 300th in the nation. Alabama State, 292. So it's not like, I mean, this tempo should be fast and you're not worried about too much defense. And a, a number like 125 should be designated for teams who are good defenders and slow or, or extreme on one or the other. Like a, a, a Virginia basically gets a 120 to 125 range. Uh, and I don't think that in any case, Alabama State should get that number. Let me ask you about these kind, these teams like uh, Alabama State, because uh, I just think uh, I, I was analyzing uh, Coppin State uh, the other day. Uh, sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, tell me what you think. Like these numbers can be skewed a little bit, because like Coppin State played the tough, like, it's unbelievable their schedule through the first month of the season. All the games are on the road. They're all against big power teams. So when you're looking at these, do you find sometimes value in these metrics with teams like this? Yeah, there was a team I was looking at today. I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, this happens a ton. So I believe that Houston played this team. So one second. Um, okay, example. So the, the biggest thing is all games are going to be weighted towards an adjusted efficiency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The issue is I don't think that you can put a price on, as you say, like, I don't think you can put a price on a number of Coppin State has played on the road for the last 13 games. Uh, it's just, it's impossible to say that you adjusted the number down to right. that efficiency rating because these kids, like these are college kids and like it's not even college kids with high upside. These kids are playing college as their enjoyment. So to get, I see 
five, ten, almost 15 games in a row on the road with one home game in between at George, playing George Mason to a double overtime. It's just like, I don't think you can, you can wait that ninth away game in a row correctly enough to, to say anything. Also, a big thing for me is, is games that they get lined just in a bad situational spot. I agree that you just can't line these correctly. So like, I think it was Houston, but uh, somebody played Eastern Washington recently after a close game. They, they won a game they were supposed to blow out by like six. Then they roll into Eastern Washington. The adjusted number for this game is like 20, but Houston mad beat them by like 55, which in most cases they can do. But I don't think you can adjust that number for enough to explain like this was just a situational beatdown. Houston doesn't win this game by 50 if the last game was a blowout. And uh, yeah, I think the weight, is, it's what brings a lot of value in college basketball. There's 367 teams. And so I think that this happens a lot more than people would give credit for. All right, well, one game I want to ask you about tonight because someone called me earlier today and said, you know, what do you think about this Texas Tech-Iowa State game? And I said, you know, boy, this is a spot for Texas Tech, but they've been in these spots before (laughs) this year, and it hasn't happened. You look at this, I can't believe I'm saying this. They have lost one, two, three, four straight home games. Texas Tech, I mean, they used to be money at home. Um what do you, this is a tough one for me. I think Iowa State's miles better, but going on the road here, Texas Tech, I lean them, but I just can't put my money on them. Yeah, I, this is a weird one. I uh, I have Iowa State winning by two, so I like them as a dog for sure. Uh, but the issue here is, and I break this down a lot, it's just kind of how I think about basketball. It's like, I don't think that Texas Tech has three good basketball, I mean, good relative, but elite level basketball players. I think O'Banner is a really good basketball player. Like if you watch his basketball, he knows what he's doing. He's a good basketball player. On the other side, Iowa State, I've talked about it many times. I hate this team. I don't think they're a good basketball. Like I don't like any of the pieces on their team. John Holmes has shown that I am wrong a hundred times. A kid can shoot. Uh, props to him. He can do it. But I just, Caleb Grill is out. Kunk's been out. I think that you're worried about depth, but at the same time, like, I'm not worried about Caleb Grill. He's not worried about him. So I don't want to back Iowa State. I don't like this team. And I don't think that Texas Tech is as good as, as people give their name. Uh, what, they're 66th in Ken Palm. So I don't imagine that people really think too high and mighty on this Texas Tech team right now. And for good reason. I don't think they're a good basketball team. So nothing for me. I would lean the under, if anything, just because of my absolute hatred for the talent output on this team. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to some games this week that I always feel like Monday should be a bigger slate of college games. I mean, Monday is like Friday. I don't understand it. But uh, Tuesday, we already mentioned Kansas State. Kansas open seven and a half. We think that's a little high lean Kansas State. But you have a total, another total here you're looking at. VCU Davidson. Give me the breakdown on that game. Yeah, VCU is a team who plays fast. Well, I'm not pulling up my numbers, but VCU plays fast. They play scrappy. You're getting a 134. Uh, I really like that number. If you want to lock that in, the over 134, Zach. VCU is 96th in the nation in tempo, but 7th in the nation in turnovers. So they're a team that wants to play fast, and they want you to be on your toes and forced to, to struggle. They also have shot pretty decent as of late. They're off of the St. Bonaventure loss. So it could probably make you think otherwise. But the main thing here, and the reason I like this, is I, I think that Davidson is much faster than we've seen. Uh, their offense is a pretty average pace, but their defense has sat down and, and been in a 330th percentile, or not percentile, 330th ranked uh, defensive length of possession. 
I don't, and if you've watched these games, I don't give that much credit at all to their defensive abilities. I just give that to the idea that they've played pretty slow teams. They played St. Louis to 65 possessions, which is significantly lower than, than most, and they still scored 144 points. So uh, I think that in most cases, if this plays to a 66 to a 68 possession game, which VCU would like to do, uh, this goes over a 134 pretty easy. All right, so over 134, VCU, Davidson. Um, I, I remember watching a couple of their games last year, and I think the, the pace was pretty high uh, when they when those teams play. So locked in, 134 over VCU, Davidson. I don't really have much for tomorrow. I, I don't really like the matchups. Interested to get your thoughts on this. San Diego State going to Nevada. Uh, now, Nevada's been one of the surprises of college basketball. San Diego State was the big favorite to win the conference. This is a big, big game in the Mountain West. Where are you leaning on that one? Yeah, my numbers like San Diego State just because Nevada has been such a surprise, I would say. Um, so they probably haven't caught up enough. But I will say from watching just an eyeball test of San Diego State, I was really high on this team coming into the year, but I... I've slowly fallen off and really don't love this team. I think that uh, I, I talk about talent output a ton. This is the team opposite of most. They have a ton of talent. The issue is they've had to out-talent every team that they've played this year. They, they don't run a system that I am too impressed in. They beat Air Force by seven. And in that game, uh, if you're just talking strategy versus strategy, Air Force won that game. Uh, San Diego State won the game because of rebounding, because of just second chance opportunities, which don't discredit them by any means for those things. They're obviously important, but uh, I think that they lack in a, a basketball mindset, like a, an aspect of just coach, basically. Um, is Nevada good enough to, to take advantage of this? I don't know. San Diego State is a very talented team overall, uh, so probably not, but I think this is going to be a lot better game than most would give credit for. Yeah, I'm interested to watch that game. Um, the play I like uh, is Wednesday night. Uh, the Lehigh Mountain Hawks in the Patriot League, they were my number two ranked team in the Patriot coming into the season. They got off to a slow start, 0-2. Now they've won eight straight. Um, they're playing Army. Ken Palm has this two-point favorite for Lehigh at home. I had Lehigh on Sunday against Boston as a slight favorite. They won by 11. I had them in their last home game against Lafayette as a slight favorite. They won by 12. Army got them by two earlier in the year, but I like the way this Lehigh team is playing. And I think it's one of those teams in those small conferences where the market hasn't quite adjusted to it yet. So I like the Mountain Hawks at home to take that streak to nine in a row and beat Army as a short favorite. I like it. Um, Pulling my number right now, but uh, I will say I, you've watched more Lehigh basketball than me for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like the Patriot League. Uh, that's that's one of my leagues that I like. And uh, the yeah, this this was a team that was really young last year and kind of took it on the chin. And I thought they would be improved this year. Took them a little bit while to get a little while to get going, but uh, you know I think it'll be a fast paced game. Uh, uh, Lehigh is 54th in the country in pace, Army 121. So I think they'll move the ball up and down. That's Lehigh's kind of game. So uh, I, I think they'll have an edge there at home. All right, I got I got one more for you. I just saw the line. Um, I didn't. We didn't talk about this before the show, but the uh, St. Louis versus who do they play? I just saw it. St. Louis Fordham game uh, tomorrow. St. Louis is a team. Zach, if you want to pull that up, I believe it's three. It just opened. Uh, St. Louis is a team 
Yeah, three, three and a half. I would like to grab a three. St. Louis is a team that to start the year they were they were off and on. They were inconsistent at best, but we've seen them win six games in a row now. They just played Davidson to a pretty good game. Uh, this is St. Louis team that year over year is always really good. Uh, they've shown this what last year they went yeah twenty three and twelve. So this is a team that year over year is consistently good. They bring in a pretty senior driven team, three seniors and a junior. Yuri Collins, one of the best assisters in the nation. Uh, this is a loaded down team. On the other hand, Fordham has played way over their range. They opened the year at Ken Palm 229th. Uh, they're currently 149, 17-4. But if you've watched this team, they're just not like, I, I, again, just going back to simple player versus player. I think that in every single case, St. Louis is the better team on the court. Uh, you're getting a good number because they're on the road. But I don't think that affects St. Louis as much as it does most teams. They don't shoot the three ball. They score 70% of their – they're 70th in the nation and, and points from two-point land. So I don't think that being on the road affects St. Louis too much. Uh, and talent output, I just don't see how Fordham matches up player versus player. This is a St. Louis team who are a bunch of grown men. You're, you're talking about seniors, big body seniors going up against Fordham's, Fordham's um, starting lineup. So I like the three. Uh, if you grab a flat three, that would be great. Yeah, Fordham's a team I've won some money on this year, playing them at home uh, in some of these matchups. But, you know, I, I do think they've really benefited from a nice schedule. The, if you look at the one team they've played at home that's ranked in the Ken Palm Top 100, it was Dayton, and they got smashed, 82-58. to 58. Uh, So I was looking at this game at first when I saw they were going to be a dog, and uh, thinking, well, maybe we get a little value here, but... I'm kind of with you. They're the way Fordham has played this year is they've beaten up on a lot of bad teams. You know, they they got obliterated, ab destroyed by by Arkansas, seventy four to forty eight. They played Davidson and lost by fourteen. Uh, Dayton crushed them at home. So I think when they step up, this is a nice team when they're playing. You know the the UMasses and uh, Loyola Chicago's of the world that they can compete. But when they're playing those upper echelon teams, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. A big thing for me is that uh, Fordham, basically, if you've watched their games, uh, they kind of need free throws to score. They're 20th in the nation in points per yeah. game from the free throw line. And St. Louis, though they are scrappy, they do, they do swipe a lot. I think that they have the talent output just to be square with a defender basically at all times. So are they going to foul still? Yes, it's just the nature of how they play basketball. But uh, in most cases, they're not going to be easy calls for refs. They're going to be contact to the chest, and if a ref calls it, a ref calls it. Uh, but I think that that number is going to be significantly lower uh, from their average free throw shot per game. And so a flat three, like... I don't know. I think that this is a good number. Uh, they've played... Have they played yet this year? No, they have not. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't see how Fordham keeps up with the pace of a St. Louis team. They just don't have enough scores. They have one to two really good scores. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know how they keep up with St. Louis is a really balanced team, and I've been impressed with with keeping up with them for the most part. Uh, Yuri is, what, first in the nation in the assist rate. So he, he works well with his team overall, and I, I think St. Louis has a lot of headway to go. And we're starting to see it. They've won six straight, so I don't think we're, we're saying anything crazy here. But uh, – only upside for this team, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm glad we talked about it because, like I said, I was looking at Fordham and I kind of went the other way on it. I want to. We got a couple of questions I want to get to in the chat. I want to ask you about that free throw thing in a second, though. Um, Kyle Estrada said, uh, "Don't have Chris. Would you play over 135 on Davidson uh, VCU or wait for more books to come to open up the line?" 
yeah, I think 135 is fine. Um, let's cross the board 135. But yeah, I think uh, 135 is fine. A point usually isn't going to be a big issue betting totals, especially as early as we're betting openers. These numbers um, are pretty soft. Like I've seen a significant three, four, five point swings on the overnight. It's pretty easy. So I think it's a good it's a good question because this happens a lot on the show. I, I believe we're at like an average. We, your Texas play moved almost three points. So it was like a 9% CLV. So this happens a lot uh, just due to the nature of when we're posting. But I think a really easy like uh, memo to get with is point and a half for total. So if it's a point and a half, then ask. But if it's half a point, point, uh, in most cases, you're going to be fine. And on a side, uh, within a point, like if you're getting a half point difference, I don't think that it matters in most cases towards our handicap. We're not going to give out a play that is shaved down on an overnight so that a half point crushes the number. Uh, so overall, I think that's a good term to go with. All right. Uh, Crip Zombie says, great show. Glad I discovered this channel. Love the futures idea. Will you guys be doing a future show before the tournament? Thanks so much. Uh, sure. Uh, we'll be doing everything before the tournament. Mm-hmm. We, listen, before the come tournament time, we'll be doing everything. We're going to have everything covered. Futures, uh, every game. You'll be, we'll have you covered for the NCAA tournament. That's a guarantee. Uh, I can tell you this. Last March, I didn't leave the house for 14 days. I literally did not go outside. I may have brushed my teeth. I may have showered. I don't remember. But when it's March, I'm not going to do much, CC. I'm sure you're locked in, ready to go for the tournament. Um, so, yeah, we'll have everything you need. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do, I did it last year for March Madness, is a like a uh, basically a risk mitigation show. So we can just talk about, like, hey, if you're in your – like, don't do this for, like, massive pools. But if you're in a pool for, like, March Madness – and you want to make the best possible bracket relative to like you're playing a twenty a twenty friend twenty dollar pool. Uh, you don't want to take heavy risks, and so like talk about like the strategies behind making actual brackets. And uh, I, I enjoy March Madness is the greatest time of the year, so uh, more excited for it to come than anything. All right, so I want to get back to March Madness real quick. Now, Fordham's not going to make the tournament, but let's just say they were. Because um, when, when I was breaking them down earlier, you mentioned the free throws. Mm-hmm. They're 30th in the country in free throw scoring rate at 21.9% of their points. They're three. They're 320th in two-pointers and 131 in three-pointers. Going into the tournament, if I see that, I'm alarmed. Because I say, this team's got to get to the line a lot, you know, to compete. And sometimes in the tournament, depending on the officiating crew, they don't blow the whistle quite as much as they do in the regular season. How do you look at that going into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think it needs to be, it's unfortunately needs to be weighted team by team. I don't think that it's something that you can just put a broad aspect on because the reason for me is, I believe, and I haven't watched a ton of Fordham games, but if if I was to review film, I would assume this is what happens. Fordham plays teams. They're significantly worse than them. And so they can get to the line due to the fact that they have the athletic ability to get on a hip with a layup. Um, but that's not always the case. Like in Alabama, Alabama is 26th in the nation in points from free throws. That's not because they're more athletic. That's because that's the pace that they play. They basically have to get fouled. Um, the issue is in March, Fordham, well, Alabama will be able to continue to get to the free throw line because this is how they play. Fordham will not because they'll be playing teams that they can now stand in front of them. And so uh, these just loose fouls that have happened to allow Fordham to get to the line uh, happen less when, when the talent output increases. Uh, and I think you should see that in the free throw shooting. Well, you mentioned that they play teams that they're better than. So here we go. Overall strength of schedule, 348. 
non-conference strength of schedule, 363. And if you don't know what 363 means, that means last, easiest. <laughs> easiest in a, all of college basketball. Um, I like the St. Louis pick more and more. I'm going to hop on that baby myself. That's a, that, I'm glad we talked about it. Sometimes I come in with something, but we talk about it on the show, and uh, that's one of them. I, I think that's a really good pick. Um, there's two more games I want to ask you about this week before we head out here, CC. You probably know where I'm going on Thursday night. Um, but one more on Wednesday. That Tennessee team, okay, Ken Palm has them eight at Florida. See, now for me, typically I'd say, okay, this is a good spot to back Florida. But in the SEC this year, I feel like it's top-heavy, and a lot of those opportunities haven't come. I, I'm struggling with this game. Do you have any feel for Tennessee-Florida on Wednesday night? I think, though I hate Tennessee, I also hate Castleton. I don't believe that he should be a prominent piece of most basketball teams. And, and I feel like we've seen yeah. that. Like, he's kind of been that for some time now. Granted, he's a lot more efficient than he used to be. He has become a better basketball player. I will give him that credit. But, I mean, he's been doing this for, what, one, two, three years now. He's been in the top 400 in efficiency, and yet – what does his teams do every single time? I think that they need more guard play, and I don't think that they have it by any means. Tennessee should be able to shut him down for the most part. Uh, they have just as big as a big uh, seven foot one on the, in the in, in the paint for uh, Tennessee. So I don't like this Florida team by any means, and I would probably it's to stay away from me because Tennessee can't score fast enough to cover a spread. I don't believe, um, but I definitely wouldn't want to be on Florida. If, if Florida didn't break sixty, it wouldn't surprise me by any means. All right. Well, the big one on Thursday, CC, yes, your UAB Blazers hosting the surprise of college football this year, Florida Atlantic. Now, no jelly on Saturday. UAB took Rice out behind the woodshed, 70 to 52. That's their second straight win. I think they're going to need jelly against FAU, though. What are you, are you hearing anything about if he's going to play in this one? Because if he plays, I like UAB. Yeah. So, a couple of things. First off, Jelly, I just don't understand the situation. He's he's worked out like every single day. He's on the sideline. He's jumping up and down. He looks fine. Like I, I was at the Louisiana Tech game, and during halftime, uh, they were walking off the court. He ran, jumped in over to Eric, was talking basketball to him. So this is a kid who he he's hurt. Don't get me wrong, but like he's fine. If he doesn't play this Florida Atlantic game, something is up. Like I, I don't know. He's like I watched him shoot. Like I know that he is fine. That said, I'm I'm very glad he hasn't played in this Rice game because the Louisiana Tech game was a slap in UAB's face. We won by six, but we were not winning by six. It was an ugly basketball game. I was up at the court. I was watching it. We did not look good. Nobody was happy. It was just silence. To go without Jelly and beat on our Rice team, I think, is really good for a, a motivation for the team to know that they can do it without this kid. And uh, it just it all lines up. The stars line up for this to be a really good spot for the Blazers. We lost. To FAU, uh, what that, I believe that was the Barstool Classic, um, and so I think I think it all lines up well. Uh, and at home, you already know I'll be courtside, screaming at Jelly. If he's not on the court, you better believe I'm getting thrown out of the game. So uh, I'll try to have Jelly on the court. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the first matchup I had him, I had uh, I had UAB. They were like plus four and a half mm -hmm. when I took them. They lost by two, 88-86 in a great great game against uh, Florida Atlantic. The rematch. Uh, we'll have to see if Jelly is uh, if Jelly's going to be there. Let's see what the yeah twenty one points in that first game. Yeah. So uh, obviously game. a key. 
That first game was a Hail Mary fest. Jeez, it was it was run as fast as you can. How many possessions were in that game? Um, 73, 88, 86. Yeah, it was a that was a game to watch for sure. I bet you were you UAB was up ten at one point in that game. You were yeah. you were sweating a four even if they were up <laughs> yeah. ten. That's just how the game played. And I think that's how it's gonna be on Thursday. UAB our stadium's not massive and somehow yet we're given the eighty fifth highest home court advantage, but when people are in there, it gets loud, and when it gets loud, that that press works significantly better. So, uh, hoping that people show up for a game that's easily the most important of our season, and uh, we'll see. All right. Well, we'll talk about that on our Friday show when we preview all the games, or not all the games, but the big games and our bets for Saturday. Want to thank everyone for watching this edition of Hit the Books on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Circus Sports. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Experience big app bets, better money line splits, the best customer service, and more. Download your new bookie today at circusports.com. Well, CC, this uh, I'm going to go bet that St. Louis game. Uh, I, I think that's the play this week. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the big game on Thursday for you, UAB, you'll be there. We'll discuss it on Friday. Have a great week, my friend. Yes, sir. You as well.